You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Hey guys, welcome back to Online Calvary. I'm so glad that you are taking some time uh, to join us. And I'm back here uh, at Calvary with the Calvary staff. My family is here as well. And all the mannequins came back and they invited a couple of friends as well. So there's a lot of mannequin evangelism that's going on in that community. So uh, I want to tell you this story uh, that happened to me probably about a year ago, right around St. Patrick's Day. I went to the post office because I had to mail out a bunch of packages. I get to the counter and the person that I'm talking to at the post office that usually helps me says, hey, so what are you doing for St. Patrick's Day? And I said, well, it's a Sunday, so I'm going to church. And she says, church? Uh, St. Patrick's Day is about drinking and going crazy. And at this point in time, now everyone in the line at the post office is listening to our conversation. And I say to her, and I said, did you know that St. Patrick was a Christian missionary to Ireland who planted 400 churches and led thousands of people to Jesus? And then one of the people in line says, seriously? And I said, yes, if you want, and that, now I'm turning to the crowd and uh, now I'm preaching. And I said, if you want to honor St. Patrick, go to church this Sunday. Then the girl behind the counter says, how do we end up with partying and leprechauns? And I said, this is what happens when you put drunk people in charge of holidays. And uh, so I invited all, all of them to Calvary. My work was done. Well, anyway, now fast forward. So now last week, same post office, standing in line, the lady in front of me uh, that's at the counter is talking to the, to the person behind the counter. And now, you know, I've been going to the post office all the time. I know almost everybody there. And the lady's very nervous about coronavirus and what the news is saying. And the postal worker says, you know who you need to talk to? And uh, he points to me and says, you see that guy right there? He's a pastor and he knows what the Bible says about all of this. And uh, so I just want to make an announcement today that I'm actually starting a church at the post office. It's going to be called Going Postal Church. And, uh, and, and <laughs> he did not think it was as funny as I did when I told him that. Now, here's the point, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But um, I've talked to so many people who think that this season that we're going through is simply something that we have to endure. And I want to tell you right at the outset that I disagree. I believe that this is a season that God is giving to us. It's, a, it's being given to us for the purpose of investing in ourselves, investing in our families, investing in God's kingdom, investing in our relationship with God, and investing in our future. Because your future, the good thing that God wants to do in you, is dependent on what you do with the time that you've been given. And listen, truth be told, some of us have been praying and hoping for a season when things could kind of slow down and when we could spend a little bit more time at home and be uh, with our kids a little bit more. And some of you are like, I know, and I had no idea what I was praying for. And, uh, but uh, listen, but here, here's the reality. Is I, I want to take a minute um, and, and look in this this story that Jesus tells, this parable that Jesus tells, it's uh, in, right now in the life of Jesus, it's a little more than a week before Jesus is going to be arrested, uh, before he's going to be betrayed, before he's going to be crucified, and of course, um, we're gonna, uh, the resurrection. But Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He gets to the city of Jericho, and if you were with us last time, and if you weren't, you can hit pause and watch the message from last time, but uh, 
He has this amazing encounter as he gets to the city of Jericho with this man named Zacchaeus. And people are amazed by the transformation that they've seen through this encounter that he has with Jesus. And now there's a crowd of people that have formed that are all listening to him. And now that he has their attention, he's going to talk about the coming of the kingdom of God and what we should be up to as we await his return. Now listen, This is one of these messages that just so lines up with what we're dealing with in our lives right now. This message is so pertinent for us right now because some people are viewing this season as an obstacle to the rest of their lives and other people are viewing it as a moment that unlocks the rest of their life. Now, the reality is both people are right. Uh, The problem is the person who invests and makes the most of this time is going to see God do amazing things through their lives once this season uh, is is over. And Jesus is going to show us what happens. He's going to show us what happens when a group of people are all given the same thing. We've all been given this season of time. And see what happens when people view it differently. So we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 11. Here's what we read. It says, now as they heard these things, that is everything that was happening with Zacchaeus, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas and said to them, do business till I come. But His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And if you pause there and give me your attention, there's a couple of things that I need to share with you uh, that the people listening to Jesus knew because this was uh, part of their somewhat recent history and and most of us don't know it. So let me just give us a little bit of background. Jesus is using a semi-current event to set the moment for his teaching for the people of Jericho. As he's passing through the city of Jericho, one of the centerpieces of the city was the palace of Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great, if you're not aware, was the lunatic that killed all the babies two and under in the Christmas story. And you see that in the Gospel of Matthew. And he died around, you know, 3, 4 BC, around that time. Um, He had a son whose name was Archelaus. Uh, Archelaus wasn't any better. After his dad's death, he killed 3,000 Jews just to solidify his rule. Now, needless to say, people hated him. But what Archelaus wanted was um, for Caesar Augustus, who was a Caesar at that time, to confirm his power. So Archelaus goes from Jericho to Rome to have an audience with Caesar Augustus so that he can have, uh, so that he could be crowned king like his father was known as King Herod. He wanted to be crowned and be King Archelaus as well. So, but a huge crowd follows from this area of, of Jerusalem and they go to Rome. They complain to Caesar about him and they say this thing that, that Jesus says in the story, we will not have this man to rule over us. But, and so because Uh, Caesar is trying to figure out how does he please everybody in typical political fashion. Um, He tells Archelaus, you can still reign, but I'm not going to give you the title of king until you gain the favor of the people. And so they give him this whole area of Judea to rule. Now, his relationship with the people is so contentious. 
that eventually they remove him from power and replace him with another governor and then another and another and another and another. And the guy that has just been placed uh, maybe a year or two before is a guy you've probably heard of. His name is Pontius Pilate. Now, as Jesus references this story, everyone knows what he's kind of loosely talking about as he gets their attention. Now, the reason this is so important is because Jesus is, has given a thesis statement in his encounter with Zacchaeus. What is it that he's trying to do? And you see it, uh, you'll see it uh, in the outline if, you're, if you got it on the Calvary app or you're watching it um, on uh, whichever browser you're using. Uh, but it says this in, in Luke chapter 19, verse nine. And Jesus said to him, that is Zacchaeus, today's salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. This is Jesus's thesis statement for his ministry and what his ministry is all about. That is what Jesus is seeking to do. He's not trying to overthrow governments. He's not trying to create this overarching social reform. His goal is to create the kingdom of God through people coming to know Jesus as they put their faith in him. This is why Jesus tells this parable. Because in verse 11, if you read a moment ago, he said this because some people thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately, that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman yoke and that he was going to establish freedom for the people of Israel. And that's why Jesus tells this story about 10 servants, each getting one mina. Now, a mina uh, is a Hebrew word that means it's, the equi- it's, it's a term of measurement. It means the equivalent of three months wages. This is a pretty hefty sum. And so he's to, they are told to do business with these three months wages until the king returns. And here's where we see what happens if we look in verse 15. It says this, And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, you have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five five minas. Likewise, he said, You also be over five cities. In verse 20, it says, And then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in the bank that at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10. But they said to him, master, he has 10 minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. And if you pause there and give me your attention. At first glance, the story seems kind of, harsh, but I think it's important for us to unpack it a little bit. All of these servants have been given the same amount of money, the same amount of time, and the same amount of opportunity. Now, they all had different levels of success as they did business. They occupied, in another translation, it says that they were about the master's business waiting for his 
return. And this is what brings me back to the conversation that I had with this woman the other day at the post office. The guy says, hey, see that guy? You need to talk to him. He's a pastor. And so I'm talking to the lady and to the guy behind the counter. And they say, I mean, is this the end of the world? Is, is Jesus coming back now? And, 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 this, and, and what I said to them was this. I said, I don't know. But I do know this. We always live better lives We will always walk with Jesus more closely and we will always make wiser choices if we live as though every day was the day of Jesus' return. Now, let me give you the flip side of that because I believe we're supposed to live every day as though Jesus could come back today, but I believe that we should plan as though his return is 100 years away. And that's why, uh, you know, so many people over the years, when, when, uh, when I first became a Christian, um, there was this guy who had written a book called 1994, and I became a Christian in 1993. And so 1994 was this really uh, hot book that was selling. It was written by a guy named Harold Camping. And um, people were, he had picked, gotten not just the year, the month, and the day that Jesus would return. What's funny is when I, when I first uh, saw the book, it was in 1995 in the bargain bin of a Christian bookstore. I think they were selling it for 50 cents. Um, it didn't have all that much value. And, uh, but people have always been trying to pick when this is going to take place. And, and, and so, um, you know, I remember a few years ago, kind of the last prediction that he made was uh, that Jesus was going to come back on October 21st, 2011. Now, I, I remembered that because October 21st is my birthday. And, uh, and I just thought, man, if that is, that's great because none of those carbs are going to count if Jesus comes back on that, on that day. But um, obviously it didn't. We're still here. And um, I did hear so, uh, someone ta- a story of someone who talked to him after his prediction didn't come true. They saw him. He was bummed out. And they're like, hey, man, don't worry. It's not the end of the world. And uh, so anyway, I know, terrible joke. I, I like that joke more than I should. Um, so here's what happens. The first servant... 10Xs his investment. And the master rewards him by uh, putting him in charge of 10 cities. The second servant, 5Xs his investment and, and, and correspondingly is given charge of five cities. The third servant doesn't do anything. And the one mina that he has, the one investment that he has is taken from him and given to the guy who has 10. Now listen, here's my point. Jesus is looking for servants who aren't going to squander the opportunities that are given to them. That's the point of the parable. You see, there's another parable where Jesus gives his three servants three differing amounts called talents. And a talent is a unit of weight. It's 75 pounds. And so one gets five, one gets two, the other gets one. I remember when I was a young Christian, I, I used to always think, man, I used to always feel bad for the guy who only got one until you realize that uh, one talent, if we were to put it in current uh, our current monetary system is about $1.1 million. So I don't feel bad for that guy anymore. He's doing just fine. And so, but listen, that parable is different uh, because everyone's getting differing amounts. This parable, everyone's getting the same amount. And so why is this important? And why does Jesus want us to think this through in light of our current reality? And so I want to just share as we close three things that I think are important. Number one is this, is that this is a moment to invest in what matters. Listen, we're all given 24 hours a day. We're all given seven days a week. And some of us, 
if we're being honest, have been given maybe a little more time because we're working from home or, uh, you know, what we do isn't, isn't demanding us to be in a grocery store or in a hospital or, um, you know, in, in, in some kind of uh, field where we got to be there all the time. And, and some of us, listen, for so, for so many of us, this can be a gift. And what some of us are doing is enduring this season when what God is trying to do is give us something wonderful. And I know, listen, it's hard for some of us to see this as a gift. And I, and I recognize that some, of pe- some people who are listening are like, I don't feel like this is a gift because I just lost my job. I don't feel like this is a gift because uh, I've got these other circumstances that are happening that are making life a little bit more difficult. But listen, many of us, uh, and I know a whole bunch of people that are listening are like, you know, it is a little bit of a challenge, but you know, I'm spending more time with my spouse than I ever have. I'm spending more time with my kids uh, than, than I ever have. Um, I, I have, I, and this is what I think it's, it's like. I, I have a friend who owns a company and he had a few key people in his company leave um, all at the same time uh, recently. And we went to lunch and he's like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to replace these key positions. And then this whole thing happens, and, 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 and he and I were talking, and he said, uh, and he says, Pastor Bob, I, have n- I had no idea. It's so much easier for me to provide for my team because of these people who left, and, and God was trying to give me a gift, and I didn't even realize it. I was complaining about it while it was happening, and I didn't realize God was giving me a gift. Listen, what if the rest of your life And what God wants to do through you for the rest of your life is dependent on how you invest in yourself in this season. I mean, what if the books that you read, the classes that you take, the conversations that you have, the time that you pray, the time you spend reading the Bible, all transforms you into the person who's ready to handle what God wants for you after this season in your life? You see, that's why you've, you've heard me say this so many times, that waiting time is never wasted time. So receive this time, not as, oh, all of this is spoiling my plans in the present, but no, it's a gift that's preparing me for the future. Because if we miss this opportunity, when it's over, we're going to wish we had this moment back to do the things that God wanted to do in us. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians says this. He says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. You see, that's the problem with where we live, right? Especially if you're watching this from Florida, is that we don't understand seasons. You know, I grew up in Boston and seasons are just part of life and everybody recognizes it because, you know, winter is long, but then spring comes and then summer comes and then fall comes. And, and I know if, if, you, if you're part of Calvary and you live in Florida, then we only have, we don't have seasons. We have variations of one season, right? Hot, hotter and surface of the sun. That's pretty much all, all we've got. But the thing about seasons is that they don't last, You see, winter doesn't last forever, and summer doesn't last forever, and this season won't last forever either. So here's the point. Let's make the most of it. Decide you aren't just going to go through it. Decide you're going to grow through it. Here's the second thing. The second thing is that this moment reveals what you believe about God. You see, the third servant that didn't invest his mina, he said this, he didn't invest it because I knew you to be an austere man. That literally means that you're a hard man or a rough man. 
But that's what drove his decision to squander what he was given. Now, here's the question. Do we believe that God is good? And that while not everything that happens to us is good, that God can actually make good come out of anything. And the answer to that question will frame this entire situation and this new reality that we're living in. It's what caused two of these servants to work hard because they believed that their master would reward them for their work. And it's what caused one of these guys to do nothing. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you believe that God is good and God is working all things together for good, then this season isn't happening to me. This season is happening for me. Because God wants to do a deep work in you during this season that causes you to trust him more. Because there's always a season of testing before the season of blessing. And then here's the last thing I want to tell you. This is a moment to make sure I have a story worth telling. I love telling stories. Uh, telling stories is literally my favorite thing in the world. Um, I, just like how I tell stories when I teach, um, I'm telling stories with comp- people that I have conversations with all day long. My kids, when I, we put them to bed, they're like, Dad, just tell us a story, make up a story. And, uh, and, and, and here's the thing that I've just decided and the thing that I really hope you will decide as well is that you'll just decide that you just want to have a better story. And, and that you, we're going to have moments where we kind of step out a little bit and we have a better story to tell. Uh, on on uh, Monday, I was headed over to uh, Target. And so I had some inside information, which I'll share with you. And that is, um, like, I was trying to find pasta and paper towels, which apparently um, is, you know, I mean, th- these should, things should be sold on the New York Stock Exchange uh, because apparently the one thing that's key between you and the coronavirus is rigatoni. Uh, that's the one thing that's keeping you from getting it. So anyway, so I talked to this guy at Target and I'm like, listen, how do I get, I'm, d- I'm not trying to buy all the pasta in the world. I just want to have a couple boxes of pasta. He says, well, what you got to do, we open at eight. You got to get here before eight and then we'll have everything out, kind of all the stuff people are looking for. I'm like, all right, good to know. So on Monday, I get up early and I'm on my way and my wife calls me and says, hey, um, Livy, that's my eight-year-old daughter, she wants to come with you because she wants to buy something. And, um, and, and she's like, are you too far? And, and honestly, I was like halfway there, but I'm like, no, I can turn around. So I turn around and then, you know, I, I can't, and then I didn't, without even realizing it, I can't make a U-turn. And then I came, anyway, I'm practically in front of Target when I end up making the U-turn, driving back to my house, picking her up, driving over uh, to Target. By that time, it's now like 20 after eight and the whole place looks like a bomb has gone off and ev- you know, everything that we want is gone. And, uh, and, and so there's this thing inside of me like, I should have just gone and done it. And then there's this other part of me that it's like, I just want to live a better story and I don't want to disappoint my daughter and, and, and maybe something better is going to come of this. And so I go down the pasta aisle. There's nothing there. 
and then I go down a different aisle to get something, and then I come around uh, the pasta aisle again, and magically four boxes have appeared, eight boxes have appeared. I take four because I'm not a complete animal, and um, all the paper towels are gone, and that was the other thing I was looking to get, and so um, we grabbed like lemonade and a couple other things and um, some chips, and, and then as we're walking down that aisle where there's nothing there, and um, some guy that says, hey, the two guys that work at Target are like, hey, um, we forgot these boxes in the back. They rip open these boxes of paper towels. It starts raining paper towels in Target. And, and Livy says, dad, it's a coronavirus miracle. And it, it's like this, this amazing moment. And, and we're, her and I are laughing and we're, and we're just telling, and, and we're just like, rem-, and she's like, dad, remember? Remember they didn't have any? And then it just showed up. And, 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 and listen, and, and it, it's just such a better story than, you know, hey, on Monday I got up early and then I got pasta and paper towels and then I came home. And, 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 and here's, here's my point, right? Six months from now, a year from now, when coronavirus is history and life goes back to normal, are we going to have a story worth telling? Is our story going to be one of, you know, hoarding stuff and Netflix binges? Or is it going to be one of service, loving our neighbor, drawing closer to God than we ever have, making incredible memories with our family. You know, the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Ephesians, he, he challenged us in this. He said, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Listen, there are lots of organizations right now that need help. Um, they, they need help with donations of you know, clothing and all kinds of things. They need uh, people to pack food. And um, listen, if you're a single adult, you need to be all over this. There is no reason why anyone should be posting on social media that they're bored. Because this is an opportunity, an unprecedented opportunity that we have to serve people who need help. And so listen, you'll see here, um, whether it's on the Calvary app or whether it's on uh, onlinecalvary.com, you'll see an opportunity to click on the connection card and just say, hey, listen, I've got some time. I want to help. I want to serve some people. And we're going to get you the information on the organizations that need help. But because here's why. Because you want to come out of this season with a story of what God did in your life and what God did through your life and as you leveraged your availability for someone else. Because what's the alternative? That we didn't do anything and we just kind of waited out the clock? No, Jesus is placing a mina in your hand, 24 hours a day, some opportunity that maybe you didn't have before with, with time. And this is a temporary season that we're in that can lead to amazing eternal ramifications. So make the most of it. Take some walks with your kids and have conversations that you've just kind of never seemed to have before with your spouse and talk to the people at the store and thank them for working endless hours. I'm telling you, if you thank them, you know, people are going to be shocked. I do this every store I go to. I thank every single person that I see that's in uniform that I know works there. And I say, I want to thank you for all the hours you're working and everything that you're doing. You're making a difference in a lot of families. And they're like, they're, they're, because listen, everyone's just yell, walking in and yelling at them. Listen, you know what's going to happen? Your gratitude will open up moments for God to work. These are the moments to talk to your neighbors, the moments to do good and reflect Jesus with people who are hurting right now. The less that we make this season about us, 
the more likely we are when this season is over that we're going to have a story worth telling. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you for how you invite us to live a better story. And so, Lord, our hope is that you would lead us and direct us, that you would put opportunities in front of us that we could meet as we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this time. Direct us, lead us, and give us wisdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.